This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdell, and my guest this week is Evan Kerstell. He is a tech influencer with over 500,000 followers on social media, and he specializes in enterprise tech, B2B social media, marketing, and content creation. Evan, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Really a fan of what you're doing. Thanks, man. It's, uh, it's, it's always great to see what you're up to as well. So one question that I ask every single guest is, what's one thing people might not know about you? One thing people might not know about me is that I lived 10 years in Europe. So pretty much all of my 20s in Switzerland and Belgium and the UK and Germany. And, and so, yeah, I'm 50 now, but very fond memories of uh, living abroad. Wow, that is awesome. If you could go and stay or visit one place where you spent those, those years and you could only spend one day, what, where would you stay out of all those places? I'm a big fan of Switzerland and Zurich, and I love the city and the history and the, uh, honestly, the tech vibe there. So always like the opportunity to, to get back to Switzerland. Wow, that's on my bucket list. So uh, when that time comes, I'll, I'll reach out to you and, and have to tell me where the hotspots are. Let's do it. So today I want to talk about the remote workforce. Everybody's doing it now, but that's not how it's always been. But before we do, what did the leaders of companies think of working from home prior to this pandemic? Well, there were a broad spectrum of views. I worked in enterprise tech for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And generally, you were considered a bit of a slacker if you if you left the office early, if you worked at home, you, you know, if you had a kind of hybrid work schedule, or if you were a remote worker. The assumption, the joke was always, you know, you're at the swimming pool or watching Netflix, which in my case was largely true. But uh, in any case, uh, yeah, you were sort of a second class citizen in in many ways. Yeah, you see all of. Uh... The working on the golf course, or I even saw uh, somebody the other day had a green screen uh, of somebody on a dirt bike, <laughs> and they were on a Zoom call making dirt bike jumps. Uh, so that's uh, that was the perception of of the yesteryear, I guess. So if we go bring it back all the way back to 2020, right? It was uh, one that we want to forget, but let's let's reminisce for for a little bit. Because, you know, back in March, mid-March, I think it was March 13th, and the world had stopped. And so the United States specifically for us was under a national emergency, which forced everybody to to head home. You know, from the leader's perspective, what did what did they think what would happen? And, and then what, what actually happened? Well, it's tough to generalize, but, but I think the experiment with remote work and collaboration and, and infrastructure around the tools and and apps and platforms to enable remote work was a resounding success. I mean, it enabled uh, a, a tremendous productivity in the midst of a pandemic. It allowed us to land on the on the moon and can continue to giant design jet engines and build Teslas. So, I, I mean, a lot of the, the technology w- was a real savior. On the other hand, 
there are big questions about how sustainable that is long term. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with that. I mean, there's there's kind of the broad spectrum, and always it's kind of always going to have that bell curve of people that are like, "Hey, I've been working home from home for 10 years now, and it's nothing's really changed." To the leader that said, uh, "As soon as we can get back, uh, we are all essential workers, whether they are or not, and we I, I fully expect you to get back." And I think. You know, from that perspective, if I go back to the inside customer service, you think of the uh, the customer service leaders or or managers that are looking at they're recording everybody's screen, or they can potentially see somebody else's where they're still trying to micromanage that experience. You know, I think it's tough from from my my perspective. I'm I'm just thinking like, why did you hire that person in the first place? When and what was your expectation of them when they were next to you versus when they were potentially 30, 40, 50 miles away. You know, I guess what, what advice would you have for those leaders that are kind of doing that in, in 2020? Well, the, the old adage or the old advice, advice around management by walking around is really no longer feasible in a global kind of interconnected economy. I mean, you really have to communicate over these social media channels. You have to communicate over live video. You have to be good at uh, video collaboration. We, we saw many business leaders who are pretty terrible at it. And you have to embrace the tools. And I, I think the leaders that uh, are good at communicating but also embrace the technology, the tools, and best practices will ultimately be the most successful. Yeah, I think it's all about being able to, and, and it's the word of the year, but adapt or pivot in the moment to figure out what's the best way to interact with the employees and inter- interact with your customers moving forward and in customer service and customer experience. It's all about finding ways to reduce effort and finding people on the channel of their choice, not necessarily your choice. Um, so, it, you know, bringing it back to the, to the employee's perspective, it looks like the data has shown that uh, there's a lot of people that do like working from home and maybe not going into the, the 30 miles into work and, and, uh, maybe 30 miles back, but is that what you see as well? Well, it's it's a complex landscape. I mean, yes, a lot of professionals like myself, probably yourself and others really like the flexibility, but for a lot of people and not just white collar, blue collar people, it's not, not an option. I mean, there are childcare issues, there are flexibility issues, you know, there are a lot of challenges with commuting, you, you know, and so it's it's not a simple answer, and I think every company needs to look at its unique situation in the market, its employee base, and make a decision that's best for them and their employees. And I, I just don't see any cookie-cutter answers to that question. Right. Yeah, I think for on, on one side, and, and again, similar to what you're saying, I'm not trying to generalize, but I think on one side, it's making people more efficient. But maybe it does have some consequences with the work-life balance. I think it, it is, it can tend to blur of, hey, I am working or I'm on vacation or I need to go up for dinner or for my kids' soccer game. And I'm still kind of always on. Maybe there's a different way to, to, to do that here in the future. But at the same time, you do have the flexibility of doing some of those things where you did it in, in the past. You know, when it comes to challenges though, with the employees from working from home, there's, <laughs> we've all seen it where 
the kids or the the cat or you know anything for that matter are is video bombing your your environment i think organizations and leaders in general have have been more lenient on bringing kids into the conversation and actually that's kind of the one thing that i've seen and maybe want to get your perspective on is have you seen that from my perspective i tend i, I saw more of organizations you saw more of their family. You saw more of the interaction of what what they like or or not like and their personality because you got to see their home. But what, what's your perspective on kind of what what are the benefits of being able to see past uh, past what you see in the office? Well, a lot of folks like myself, you know, found you know more connection with fewer individuals, more meaningful connections. We we use a technology, frankly, to not to travel as much as we had been. I was traveling the pre-pandemic 60, 70% of the time to events and conferences and clients. And so it was nice to kind of build relationships not on the road and, and really leverage video and other platforms and messaging and, and the web and social media to kind of nurture relationships without having to get on airplanes, which as you may hear in the background, I'm about to do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that, and I, I hope that's sustainable. I mean, one of my favorite favorite apps during the pandemic was uh, Lunch Club AI. Uh, it's an Andreessen Horowitz company that creates virtual lunches with like-minded individuals, kind of a dating service for professionals to kind of meet and network. And, you know, apps like that, apps on social, Clubhouse and other, you know, audio chat rooms have really enabled uh, a sense of community and meeting people and networking that that actually didn't exist to that level pre-pandemic. So there's some things I'm sure we're going to take away as society post-pandemic. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah, I think there is a a ton of lessons learned. And kind of going back to what you said about you traveling 60, 70% of the time, does your clients and or when you're going to events, do you see that being returning back to, I guess, uh, the pre-2020 and uh, 2019? Or will it also be kind of a hybrid approach? Yeah, I think it'll be hybrid. We've done a lot of experiments, we being the tech industry, and have found tremendous ROI, you know, on digital events. And and value. We, we also found, we, I think we all discovered we kind of miss people as well. So I see much smaller, more targeted, more intimate events than the giant, you know, global mega events we might have had in the past. And they'll come back in some fashion, but we may have hit, uh, we may have jumped the shark, just so to speak, on, on the big global events. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to global events, from what I've seen too, is they're going to start coming. You can kind of see in Vegas that they're they're full bore right now, but do you see events specifically more having more of a, a hybrid approach where you're saying, hey, it's going to be X price for a, 
a spot uh, at the MGM, or if you want it to be a, a remote and you're still potentially not comfortable, or you just don't want to travel, it's going to be this price. Because I, fig I figure uh, back in, the, uh, in 2019, they didn't really have that as available availability, but is, will that change in the future? I, I really think uh, the remote events have upped their game. The major vendors are all putting much more production dollars into events, giving more content away for free, making it more accessible and available to a wider audience. And that's been a net positive. So, you know, events that would have been, you know, a couple thousand dollars of tickets have been, you know, $200 of tickets and open it up to 10, 20 times more people over the internet. So that sort of democratization of, of events has been good, not for the event industry. It's been terrible for them, but <laughs> I, I think good for the mass uh, consumers or professionals like myself. Yeah, I think that is uh, so true. I mean, in, in 2020, the amount of content that I saw going out, and not necessarily was it great content, it was more quantity versus quality. Um, but I think as the as the months grew, that there was it started to, to increase in quality. But I think that that won't slow down anytime soon. So how as an organization and obviously somebody who has 500,000 or more followers on social, how do you differentiate yourself from the noise? I, I think it's about branding, whether it's personal branding or, you know, throwing out the old marketing playbook that was based on brochures and booths and creating a better, you know, digital footprint, whether it's, you know, social media, whether it's content creation, whether it's podcasting like we're doing now or whether it's clubhouse or you know twitter spaces which have audio live conversations happening all the time you know companies and individuals are having to reinvent themselves in the way they do business and uh you know digital first is kind of the way to go these days yeah the one thing that you just mentioned was around personal branding and i've seen organizations or i've seen individuals who spent oh i don't know 25 years at an organization was a lifer and planned to be a lifer and for one reason or another, and, and they're not alone, but one reason or another, they ended up getting uh, let go uh, in, in, in the last year. And, and we started grabbing coffee or virtual coffee. And they said, I don't really know a whole lot of people now. Uh, I, I built my entire network internally. So I love that you talk about the personal brand, maybe touch on the importance of that personal brand and some recommendations that you have for individuals. Yeah, it's critical. And I, I would say it's um, personal branding is a terrible word. So it's, you know, people, you know, kind of cringe when they hear personal branding, it feels self-promotional. But it's really about building your online credibility and building a reputation. You know, we used to call that back in the day, which is your thought leadership, your credibility, and your in insights and influence. And really, anyone can do that now through LinkedIn, through blogging through uh, Twitter and through podcasts like this. And I would encourage all professionals to step out of the corporate, you know, shell or the echo chamber and think more about their personal direction than necessarily their sort of corporate professional one. I just think it makes sense for, you know, your career, your long-term success. And, and frankly, corporations these days have very little loyalty. So why be so loyal to them? Yeah, well said. Uh, I think it's it's tough for people to feel comfortable 
maybe uh, and saying, well, what what value can I bring to the marketplace? And I, I think that's the point is for you to find ways to differentiate yourself through the value that you can bring and constantly, constantly lean into that and get uncomfortable into that value because it's not about personal branding is not about pushing out a ton of content and, and selling to these people or sending, putting up a video and, and telling people how awesome you are, but it's continuing to find that niche that you're in and adding value along the way. So uh, I, I appreciate the, the input that you have there. Yeah. And it's just about documenting your journey and sharing your insights and they don't have to be mind blowing insights. They don't have to be game changers, but everyone has a unique identity and unique skills. And so there's someone else interested in what you have to say. So find that like-minded tribe and engage with them, whether it's on Clubhouse or Twitter or in podcasting. Yep. Yep. Uh, so Evan, I, I ask every single guest uh, two questions at the very end. Uh, and it's what book or person in customer service or customer experience has influenced you the most in the past year? And then the second one is, if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, and it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m., what would it say? Well, I, I, he's, I, I would nominate Les Brown. He's not a customer experience, customer service person, but he is the most inspiring individual I've ever listened to. So if you need some inspiration, you need some thought leadership, you want to think about your relationship with people, and uh, yourself <laughs> and driving yourself to achieve more, do more, help more. Les Brown is really the man to listen to, in my opinion. Nice. And then the second question is, if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m., what would it say? It would say we're here to help. And I think that notion of service, of being helpful, is so lacking in our society particularly in customer service, uh, and, and to make it meaningful from the heart. You know, there's so much, you know, scripting being done in customer service. It's great to talk to that rep who really wants to solve your problem, regardless of constraints or issues you might have had. So yeah, be of service. Nice. Yeah. Instead of saying, hey, how can I help? <laughs> That's different than, hey, we're here to help. How can I help you? Uh, and exactly. I, and I, I love the advice. Um, Evan, what is the best way for my listeners to find you? It really is on Twitter at Evan Kerstell. But again, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Google. You can always Google me and find me uh, what I'm up to. And I really appreciate the chance to chat with you and your audience. Yeah, you bet. Uh, any, there's a, there's a half a million people uh, that, that know who Evan is. So my, the probability is, is uh, you run into... 100 people, you'll probably uh, know someone who knows Evan or looks at his post. So follow that guy. And uh, Evan, I really appreciate your time and um, have a safe trip. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them the link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.